Hi, I'm Peter Kleins, author of Terminus and Paradox Bound and numerous other books. You can find me online at peterkleins.com, on Twitter, on Instagram. And right now, you are listening to The Dave and Steve Show. Previously on The Dave and Steve Show. How many hot dogs do I need to sell? What do the hot dogs cost? How am I going to do this hot dog math? Well, I'm going to go down to the cash and carry and see what they're charging for hot dogs. Oh, man. Steve, I, I don't want to make you feel bad, but when we got our central air put in, uh, the guy gave me oral. <laughs> okay. The, wait, wait a minute. The, the dog's related to Franklin Roosevelt, isn't it? Exactly. Well, that's exactly. pretty cool, actually. It was one of Franklin Roosevelt's dogs. <laughs> no. um, it goes up and it booms and uh, the sparkles come. And then that makes more sparkles, and and if you're lucky, it'll start a fire. Find me the person who goes for the watermelon first, and I will show you a pedophile. Well, <laughs> I don't want to talk about taxi cabs. I want to talk about hot dogs. A study published Wednesday in the uh, journal Current Biology. Just put me in the bag with the kettle corn. Yeah, and, and I uh, I put a little cocaine on mine too. So. Well, duh. Uh, like, hey, you the guy with the hot dogs? Yeah, man, here, how much you want for them? Nothing. New research has found that fossilized feces isn't just full of crap. I've had your popcorn. Your popcorn's good, but it's popcorn. Yeah, popcorn's I mean, popcorn. there's a Wikipedia entry about the, his uh, great-great-grandfather's uh, popcorn at the uh, Battle of Antietam. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's quite remarkable, uh, but really it's just popcorn. Hey, look at the dog that can't be kicked over when we kick it really hard. 69 for the 1969 moon landing, plus pwned. Keep going, Tracy. Uh, robot dogs. I said yeah. keep going, Tracy. You guys um, uh, you guys want to see why I get paid the big bucks? Watch this. Hot dogs are the food of genealogy. Wait, did I do that right? I didn't do nope. that right. <laughs> Show number 65 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me, a mirror 27 miles away is Steve. 65. And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy. So much hot dog talk. We have a very <laughs> special guest on the show tonight. We're going to get to that in just a second. I want to lead the show off tonight with an apology to my good friend Steve. Because in retrospect, I, w I listened to last week's episode. And there was a trigger at a certain point in there where I had told the story and you countered the story very hardcore. Like you went in the complete opposite direction saying you had this great experience with the phone. And then I think it kind of I think it kind of sullied me towards you for the rest of the night. So when the when the when the subject of popcorn came up, your popcorn's really good. I, I shouldn't have said that your popcorn was just popcorn. It's 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 better than the average popcorn. It's I wouldn't say it's you, quite you were just being spiteful. Then. I, I wouldn't say it, it, it's I'll just say this because I don't want to get I, I, I just want to state it as it is. You make delicious popcorn. I've never had better microwave popcorn in my life. And I'm so glad when you microwave your popcorn for me. It's delicious. Yep. There it is. There it, there it is. The non-apology. What? Oh, no, I'm serious. I, you make no. great microwave popcorn. There's... I don't microwave popcorn. What? What do you mean? I do I thought that was your recipe. I thought you microwave you your popcorn. You, you you can make your own homemade microwave popcorn, and and it turns out pretty good. But but the pre bagged stuff's terrible. I I, don't, I feel like I have to do a freaking PSA on this every time they mention <laughs> popcorn. 
We're gonna have to no. talk about popcorn. No, we're then. not. We're not doing twenty minutes on popcorn again. We'll we'll do twenty minutes on hot dogs later, but not popcorn. So tonight, we have a very special guest. This is somebody who I'm gonna just come clean, and you'll hear in the interview. Tracy and I didn't know a lot about this author. Steve found this author and brought him forth to us. But as we started to, or at least I won't speak for Tracy, for me, as I started to dig through the synopsis, uh, synopses, I don't know what plural is for synopsis. Synopsi. <clears throat> as I started digging through the plot summaries of his books, I was like, holy shit, this is right up my alley. This is squarely up my alley. And it's also, as you'll hear, it's like, this is the type of stuff, if you own a Netflix or you own an Amazon Prime or you got something like that and you're looking for content, this seems like the perfect fill of content. Like this is the right sweet spot of what's going on right now in the world of entertainment, that this would be the perfect series to hook into. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it feels. It feels like it's got all of the elements that you would want in a long form series that you could watch on one of these streaming services. So the author's name is Peter Kleins. Steve found this person. We didn't know too much about him. We said, yeah, let's have him on. Let's talk through the books. It was a fantastic interview, and you're about to hear it right now on The Dave and Steve Show. Uh, Our guest tonight, who will tell you themselves, is not appearing under duress, uh, is an author of many books of the sci-fi horror variety. Uh, He has two successful series out uh, for you to check out, and one has superheroes uh, in a world full of zombies, so a nice mashup there called the uh, X-Heroes universe. And the other is a thin veil away from the biggest monsters your brain can conjure up um, in the Threshold universe. Uh, Also, um, and one of my favorite uh, takes on time travel um, ever is uh, his book, Paradox Bound. So check that out. Uh, I like his book so much that I'm a little pissed at myself that I booked him tonight because that means he won't be writing during this time and delaying my satisfaction. So... Uh, please welcome Peter Kleins. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. All right, uh, Peter. First question: um, You are a Lego guy. Um, Big time. What What is your um, What is your latest Lego project, and why aren't you using that time to write more books? <laughs> Sad truth is, I'm a, I'm a huge Lego guy, but I bear I actually don't usually build stuff because I'm writing. So what happens is we have an entire closet in the house that is just filled with boxed up Legos because I'll like go out, you know, about, oh, Lego Voltron, got to get that. Oh, Doctor Strange Sanctum, got to get that. Oh, Adat, got to get that, you know, and they just stack up in there. I mean, it was this huge thing that for uh, Christmas, I got one of the Black Widow sets from a friend and actually built it over Christmas. And I think that's the first Lego set I put together in months. <laughs> okay. So. okay. Then I'm going to let it slide. You, okay. You thank know, you. You, you, need your, <laughs> you need your time. All right, so you're working your way through the, the list. And, and so how big is the, how big is the pile? Is it, is it down a little bit? Literally the closet is full. <laughs> okay. And is this, because you mentioned, you know, a few different franchises, do you have a, do you have the go-to? Like, is the Marvel one sort of at the top of the priority list? If you've got unbuilt box sets, that's where you're going to go first? Or wh- what do you lean towards? It, it depends. Like, um, one of the things I love about Lego sets is because you get, like, these the instructions. Everything is nicely filled out. It's a perfect way to just shut your brain off for a yeah. while. Yeah. And just work. Oh, look, colors, shapes. Okay, good. <laughs> Any, anything that's not words for a while. <laughs> um, 
generally it just sort of goes down to like what I have time for. Yeah. I'll sort of figure out like, all right, I'm going to spend the whole evening doing this. I'll get that. One of the reasons I don't do the big sets a lot is because we have cats. And so the idea of like, all right, I'll get one third of the way through Voltron and just leave this stuff on the table. Sure. Yeah. I'll be there in the morning. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Yeah, we we have we have one cat, and it has put a complete hamper on our puzzle making of any. Like we yeah. used to love to put puzzles together as a family, and that forget it, because that there's you're gonna get down to the end, and there's gonna be one piece missing, and then you're gonna find it in a cat turd in the litter box a couple days we, later, and that's we that's have, the way it works. So we have five cats, yeah, and they're all like different levels yeah, of destructive. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have like. The cat who likes to just launch himself and sort of skid across the table. We have <laughs> the cat who likes to sit next to you and just like smack one piece at a time off. We have so. So, Peter, real quick, Steve, I, I know you have more questions. I just wanted yeah. to say real quick. So when it comes to your books, so Steve obviously was the one who said we need to have this person on. I really want to talk to him about these books. But this literally has happened so quickly that Tracy and I, we don't know as much about you. Steve's got in-depth knowledge of your books but just before you joined us on the air steve was sort of giving us a brief rundown of the books it sounds awesome like i can't you know just just the elevator pitch that steve gave us of sort of how the universes function and sort of what happens within them it is it is an amalgamation of all things that i love it's a little bit horror it's a little bit superhero it's a little bit kind of everything so i'm I'm totally down now. You're going to sell a few more books after this because I'm, I'm awesome. ready. Thank you. I am all ready. That's, that's kind of it, though. I, I write the books that I would want to read. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that I think if, if, you, if you're writing something that you love, that shows. And like you said, I love this stuff. I love superheroes. I love zombie stuff. I love weird, eldritch, you know, cosmic horror stuff i love mysteries especially like the good mysteries and nothing to me is better than having like than coming across like that great twist that when you hit it yeah. and suddenly like everything you've seen before just like it's like watching dominoes fall that like the entire book sort of rewrites itself in retrospect in your head mm -hmm. um doubly so if it holds up afterwards right you know like, okay, huge spoiler on, in case you hadn't been to the movies in 20 years, The Sixth Sense. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can watch, you can, like, the first time you see The Sixth Sense, it's, oh my God, this is so creepy and horrifying. And then, ah, big twist. And then you can see it again and you realize how beautifully it's put together. That it's like, that this movie holds up on a second viewing. You know? 100%, and, yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing I, I, fingers crossed, try to do. That um, I love it when I can, if I can create that moment for someone else. That you know we've all had in these these movies, these other books, TV shows, whatever. That you get that twist and you get that that domino fall. I love that. So, yeah, and I, I think to some extent I I saw a YouTube video from years ago where you talked about. To Kill a Mockingbird, which of course is an American classic, right? So, but it was a it was one where like you were talking about basically all the aspects that it had, and this is this 
this has been required reading for a lot of people. A lot of people resent you for even liking it. Um, probably <laughs> not me though, but um, this is one of those things where you kind of support this sort of surprising and sort of varied genre where when you write what you like, you don't seem to even really care what genre it falls into. Yeah. It's I've, I, my agent hates it, but I just write <laughs> stuff I like. And then he has to go out and say, so Pete wrote this new book and it's, like like he's he's taking a book around right now that i wrote over the pandemic and he and i actually got on the phone for an hour trying to figure out so what are we going to call this like what's our our sort of slug line for this thing um and we finally came up with this is basically jack reacher meets stranger things that sounds that sounds awesome (laughs) That sounds really great. Yeah, but but it sounds really great. But as we're discovering, it's one of those things that like all the publishers that would go for Stranger Things are like, wow, this just seems a lot more sort of action spy thrillery, and all the thriller people are like, wow, this is kind of weird and creepy <laughs> and dark, and and we, we finally we we actually I just got off the phone with a little while ago. We've gotten some nibbles on it. And we're talking with people, but it was just this whole thing of like, yeah, I wrote something else that we don't know where it's going to be in the bookstore. You know? <laughs> well, that, yeah. that that's that's interesting, though, because it, just like you said, you write the books that you want to read. Um, I am not a zombie fan. I'm just really I, I'm, I'm not into it. I, I feel like it's kind of, you know, it, it's been done to death. It's kind of tired. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. I look at it as like this. It, it's, it's like a very thinly veiled, like murder porn type thing where it's like people really, people, people really want an excuse to shoot their neighbor. And that's, that's kind of where they're going with it. But, but, but I went, I came to your books because I, I like the readers on audible. I like, I like Jay Schneider, Jay Snyder and he read your ex heroes, um, books. He's wonderful. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I liked it. Well, uh, I, I liked it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is a fresh take on, on zombies. That isn't, you know, why I need to, why I need to have all this, you know, armament so I can shoot all my neighbors as soon as they, you know, go, go bad. I, I really liked the take on it. And I like that it just kind of drops you in. Like there, there's no, like, there's no like kind of ease into it. It just drops you right into it. And it's, it's like, not, this is, no this is the way it is, the, you know, no, no foreplay for the reader. I guess. Yeah. it's And that's great. Um, you know, I'm, Thank you. I, I really, I, I really enjoyed that. And so I enjoyed that series. Um, and meanwhile, my wife's over um, reading this book um, 14 and she said, I think you'd really like this. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, is that that that's kind of horror-y? I'm, yeah, it's not really my thing. And um, she said, okay, yeah, this this, you know, Peter Klein's guy is, you know, is pretty good. And uh, and I said, Oh, he's I'm reading, I'm I'm in this other book that he's doing. So it was kind of interesting how we uh, we kind of came upon it and um, just started devouring the stuff that you were doing. So it's this kind of things that you want to write and read, but there, there is a market. We don't all just fit into these cookie cutter 
must be action must fall, you know, fall into this vein. I, I want Jack Reacher, you know, and stranger things mashed up. I, that would be totally cool. Uh, I'd like to see how that works out. So, um, Hopefully so I will. guess my, my question is that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's on record as one of his worst questions ever, yeah, yeah. actually. And I've had really <laughs> shitty questions. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so that's, <laughs> that was a four minute non question that I thought you were taking somewhere and you took nowhere other than so to let me answer that. Let me answer that question with a fun story. Yes. Then, that I don't know how far you are into the X series the X Hero series. Um, but I, I, think I, think I'm, I think I'm at the end. Okay. I think, I, yeah. In the third book, there's actually a bit up where uh, one of the characters, Barry Zap. I know this means nothing to you guys because you haven't read them, but uh, he's talking about how much he loves Yu-Gi-Oh and the King Games voice and all that. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. Chance? Okay. The whole reason that's in there, Jay Snyder is the voice of Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So the thing is, I, I basically managed to get Jay Snyder, the guy who does the voice of Yu-Gi-Oh, talking about how cool the voice of Yu-Gi-Oh is. <laughs> and that's oh, in the book. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah, that's I, I like it when that happens. I know, um, I know uh, Craig Allenson does that with R.C. Bray, um, has, has looped back around in, in the uh, Expeditionary Force series. So, um, so I, I, I do love that. Thanks for letting me know. So now I, I, I'll go back and I'll re-listen to it and hear it again. But that's... That's really cool. So, That's, Peter, uh, yeah, one, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I said when, once you know and you listen to it again, it is going to be so obvious that oh my god, yes, he's the voice of Yu-Gi-Oh. It's so <laughs> clear. And that was actually when we met. I I looked him up and I was like, "So are you this guy, or are the are you the Yu-Gi-Oh guy?" And he was like, "I'm the Yu-Gi-Oh guy." <laughs> well, he's also the Gray Man, which is he, you know he's a ton amazing. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done so many things. So. So I'm curious, Peter, so because I want to go, you know, I looked, the first thing obviously you do when you're going to have a guest on is you, you just like anybody else, you punch it in the old Google machine, you find out what mm -hmm. makes them tick, you've got a Wikipedia page, all these things. And I, the first thing that struck me is what a prolific writer you are and how many books you have written over the, over the years. Is this, was this your dream? Was this from, you know, very early on what you, did you want to be an author? Did you want to be something else? I know you did some other work. Uh, tangentially, I guess, related to this yeah. sort of entertainment industry. But how did you arrive at becoming an author? It It's a weird thing because when I was a little kid, I, I grew up, I'm Gen X. I grew up with, you know, very, you know, baby boomer parents who were like, no, you have to do this. You have to have a career. You yeah. Do yeah, yeah. So like even up to the point of like going to going to college, I was still thinking, I guess I'm going to be an aerospace engineer or something like that. Um, but the truth is, and I, I know this sounds like so hack cliche, however you want to call it. It's I've always wanted to tell stories since I was a little kid. Um, I would have my, do you remember the old like Star Wars Death Star that was like half cardboard yeah. and <laughs> like plastic with cardboard walls in it? And I would like every day, like sort of act out this whole little 
ongoing scene of now this guy's going to go here and this guy will move here and this guy comes in like this and that guy's doing this. This guy doesn't know what's going on. He's going. <laughs> um, so I was always doing that sort of stuff. Um, I think when I was, I don't think, I mean, when I was about 11, uh, I started sending scripts, gigantic air quotes, uh, into Marvel Comics as submissions. Sure. Yeah. And had like a regular thing with Marvel that I would send them stuff and get back these very polite rejection letters from their editors. Or to be I, honest, I editor saw that Tom DeFalco sent that piece. I saw on your Instagram. Uh, yeah, that was, um, I actually, the, the first, the very first rejection letter I ever got was from Jim Shooter. Oh, well. And Jim Shooter sent me this very polite, I mean, I was an 11 year old who sent him a garbage. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. <laughs> Right, you know, just yeah. just the worst thing you can imagine. As here's what you should do with the X Men, you know. <laughs> um, and I got back this extremely polite professional letter, as if I was this seasoned pro who had sent him something that just wasn't quite yeah. right. And he's like, mm -hmm. "Not bad. Work on this. Maybe try that. Try us again." Um, and then, yeah, a couple. I guess years later, I I kept sending stuff in, and at no point did anyone comment on telling me that like i should not be sending stuff to the editor-in-chief of marvel comics <laughs> right right hey man you know? <laughs> it's working yeah um so, why not? So, th so then like at one point my first thing to tom defalco he wrote back and he's like okay look you've got a lot of promise you're good at this but you need to work on this you need to do this you you really need to work on that um and here's like here's our writer's bible how we work, our guidelines. Here's a Thor script I wrote, um, you know, just to help you out so you can look at that. Oh, that's and crazy. Like, uh, how like how cool is that? Because you always, even as a like as a kid, like the, even a rejection letter like that, that's kind of the dream, is getting some was, kind of it, correspondence from your, your heroes, the people you look up to. It, that's it. It was really cool. It was, like, doubly cool. I actually happened to have the issue of Thor like he sent me the script and I had picked up the issue. So I was like, I've got this one. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I could like sit here and go through page by page looking yeah. at it. Um, and then like, as I got even older, I realized how amazing this was. Yeah. That he had sent me all this stuff just, you know, to at that point, a, a 14, 15 year old kid who had sent in a garbage script. So <laughs> What's even more amazing is that you did that and they, they answered you. I too did that, and I didn't get shit. So, so well, that's, that's you, you must have had something going on. That's why I stopped submitting to Marvel because as like time went on, the rejections became like less and less and less and less personal. <laughs> um, it hit a point. I, I was just telling somebody about this recently. That so eventually it hit the point that I was getting the form rejection letter, and then it hit a point that what they were doing rather than waste their good Marvel stationery with like the Spider-Man on it, you would get a Xerox of the rejection letter that someone had signed. <laughs> and then it hit the point that even like the whole thing was Xerox. Like it was somebody's Xerox signature on the Xerox rejection letter. Yeah. <laughs> and that was when I realized like, because literally like I was doing this through the point that suddenly comics became really cool. Yeah. Like, you know, early night late late 80s early 90s right. and and that's when i kind of realized there's no real point to this anymore is there that I, so but then so take but, me connect the dots for me as far as how 
you went from that to sort of your first book. Like, how did you, how, what made you say, like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write a book? Well, well, trick question. <laughs> My first book has never been published um, for good reason. Okay. Uh, my second book has never been published for even better reasons. <laughs> um, honestly, X Heroes was my first published book, but it was, I think it's, it is my, it's my second completed book. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, what happened was, as you mentioned, I, I ended up through a whole bizarre thing, grew up in Maine, moved to California on a whim ended up working in the film industry, as you do. Um, but through it all, I kept writing, kept trying to do stuff. And I, again, as you do, moved to California, ended up in the film industry. So I spent like six, seven years writing scripts. Okay. Screenplays. Um, got some minor traction with that. Like I had a couple options. I got a couple meetings. Um, but nothing ever really happened. And at one point I realized that I had this book I'd started when I moved to California that I had written like 70,000 words of and never finished. And about that time, this was around 2001 or so, uh, like right before 9-11. Um, I, I basically decided, you know what, this is what I really wanted to do is tell these is not to sound obnoxious, to tell stories where I had complete control. Right. Rather than screenplays where like 90 other people are going to have input. Um, so I just finished that book and then wrote some short stories and actually some of them got published. Um, made uh, My first short story, I think I made five bucks for. Nice. Uh, woo! Uh, my, <laughs> it's and it's my, almost a medium Dairy Queen Blizzard, man. Hey. But that, but you know, it's it's cash. Someone is willing to give you money yep. because they mm-hmm. believe in your words, right? Um, yeah. And then, you know, another short story, another short story, and uh, I got a story, two stories actually, in anthologies by this little tiny publisher called Permuted Press, um, who has like changed hands twice now, I think, since then. Uh, but the original owner would just do like these random chat things where you know hey let's all get in a message board tonight and hang out and right uh which really dates that yeah right (laughs) um end of the message board era (laughs) and he and i were just talking at one point we jumped in we were the only two people and we ended up talking about uh how disappointed i was in marvel zombies that i just thought you know man if i was doing superheroes versus zombies i would have done this and i would have done this and i would have addressed this and he said well, you know, if you ever wrote it, I'd be interested in it. Um, and just by sheer coincidence, uh, my my partner and I had moved in together. And I finally had like, a, there had been like boxes since I moved to California that had never been unpacked. But I finally had an office, so I got to dump stuff. And I found this sketchbook that had all these superheroes I had made up back in the day when I was submitting to Marvel. Like, what if you had a guy named this? What if you had a guy named this? What if you had somebody did this? Um, like, what if you have this guy, the Mighty Dragon? What if you had somebody named Cerberus who had a battle suit? What if you had an acrobat named Banzai? What if you had... Um, and I looked at all of them and realized, like, they they definitely needed, like, sort of massive updating because they were 
superheroes invented by a 12 year old yeah yeah, um, right. yeah, yeah. As, as i joked with somebody like at the time every single one of them was male because as a 12 year old i was like well why would anyone be interested in a female superhero who wants to see a woman in spandex yeah nobody wants to look at that yeah I can. <laughs> yeah so plus at, at, at 12 you can't you can't draw a boob all, all you, boobs you look do- they look ludicrous because you don't you don't really know how those things work and you don't know what the point of them is. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sure I still do, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I just, I I realized, like, you know, this character would work much better as a woman. This character would work better as a woman. Um, rewrote a bunch of them, sort of slotted them into the how I would have told it story. And uh, it was 2009, and I was coming back from a Christmas party at a friend's house, got home, randomly checked my email, and there was a letter saying, yeah, we like your book. We'd like to publish it. Wow. So, <laughs> what a great feeling, though. Like, what a good end yeah. to a, a night of, of partying. It was crazy. I actually was in mild shock, and I had to, to like, call my partner and ask her, like, I'm, I'm not drunk, right? This, <laughs> this says what I think it says. This, yeah. <laughs> you know, but one of the things that I, I think I was kind of drawn to some of the things that you've been writing, just your musings online, because you have kind of an online presence where you're just kind of you know, just kind of dumping the overage um, <laughs> from thoughts, you know, but it's one of those things like you're established author right now and you're on a very famous podcast. It's been running for decades, by the way. And then so, uh, but this is a you, big step up for me. I, well, <laughs> we, we get that a lot, but, uh, but the, one of the interesting things is this, when you talked about like, okay, this is my work now. And so when I love to be creative and I like to do things, that's when I'm like, when I'm in the zone and I feel like doing this, but being a professional writer and creating content at the level that you must requires discipline and doing it when you don't really feel like it. And so like, that was an amazing admission that you've actually done just recently talking about just simply the discipline of writing. And there's a lot of people, I used to write for magazines. So I used to like just do side bits for magazines, the worst writing that you could ever do in the world for a hundred to 200 words. And, um, but it was, it was a a good way to establish myself and build and get to know publishers and write bigger and bigger, terrible, terrible pieces. But the, for you, so familiar. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just kind of, I really did kind of touch a chord there, but, uh, but, um, it's amazing to, to me to hear like just the discipline required in writing. Many people have a book. They say they have a book in them or they want to write something. And they re- require so many times of writing when there's no time and no inspiration to do so. How did you get to the point where you would just embrace just the, the grunt of writing and producing and becoming a professional writer? Well, well part of it was just that. What you said was uh, I actually also wrote for a magazine and a couple of websites and all that. Uh, what happened for me was um, I was stupid and I leaped into it like much harder, deeper, faster than I should have. You know, I was like the one who, you know, went out and like took my surfboard like in the low end at Santa Monica and said, this is awesome. Let's go do one of those islands off Hawaii now. <laughs> right. Um, so what had happened was, uh, I had actually been working at a uh, Hallmark, the Hallmark channel and finished up a project. My boss and I had had, a dis- had, had a couple disagreements on some stuff. And I told him, look, 
it basically comes down to this. Like you've, you've got to give me another person. You got to give me more money or you've got to find a new prop master. That was, that's what I was doing. That was my job. And he was like, okay. And he went off to his bosses and came back and said, we're going to find another prop master. Oh, like, uh. oh, no. And, and he was like, kind of like, really sorry about it. And I was like, look, I, I gave you those options. I can't complain because you picked one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, complained a little quietly, privately. But <laughs> so um, let's, let's time out for just a second. I, I, I feel like I need to ask, um, what are the props looking like on the Hallmark <laughs> Channel movies? Uh, I'm, I, is it, I, I'm, I'm envisioning a lot of wrapped baskets, um, maybe fake dogs. No, um, actually, weirdly enough, uh, I worked mostly on uh, a show that I had, or not so much a show, like a series of movies called Mystery Woman. So we were doing like crime scenes, murder mysteries. Oh, okay. Like, Lots of cool stuff, like like little softer. I mean, it wasn't like you know hardcore sure, CSI sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, blood yeah. sprayed everywhere, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, oh my god, Philby, he's dead. How could this have happened? You know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> meet cute in a at a murder, kind yeah, of. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, we did that. I did a a Christmas movie with them, which uh, it was called a Christmas card, and actually part of it was set in Afghanistan. It was about like a soldier in Afghanistan who gets sent one of those sort of generic Christmas cards. That people will send to troops overseas yep um and he kind of falls in love with the message of it and the idea of it because this woman has just written like this long paragraphs in it and when he gets out he decides i want to go hunt this person down and figure out like they mentioned this town they mentioned this and, and so he goes or wood yeah yeah for sure. and and so he goes finds her they fall in love it was oh i thought it was he, cute uh, and yeah, and and when he finds Candace Cameron Bure, what's she doing for a living? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, the Hallmark movies were fine, honestly. I was going to say, I know, Christmas in Afghanistan, that's, that's a pretty good Hallmark trope there. So the, the movie's actually, believe it or not, the movie was, uh, I think to date, it's still their most popular Christmas movie ever. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Which is saying, I mean, seriously, that's saying a lot on the Hallmark that channel. That's saying a lot for Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those things, they're super popular. Yeah. Uh, so, Peter, um, I, I did want to, the one thing that I feel like we maybe haven't done is just okay. take a step back. And for people who don't know you, you know, we talked about like the elevator pitch of, of the X Hero series and sort of, if you had to summarize that for somebody who doesn't know anything about your, your book series, how would you, what would, what would be the elevator pitch? For the X-Heroes books? Yeah. Uh, X-Heroes basically is about superheroes versus zombies in post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. Uh, it is a world where superheroes exist, a zombie apocalypse happens, and they aren't able to stop it. And when the books begin, it's been a year since basically the world ended. Um, and the they're holed up in a movie studio in LA that they've kind of turned into a fortress. They go out and try and scavenge supplies, food, gas, whatever they can get. Um, and that's kind of it as they go through and, and encounter different challenges and, you know, throughout the series. Um, it's like, we, like we talked about earlier, it was me mostly thinking like, wow, I would love to see this. I want to see Captain America 
not obviously Captain America, but like that stuff, that type of hero, like the upright moral hero. Yeah. What happens when he's going to like, he's got the family coming in and he says, dad can't come in. He's been bitten. You know, what, what does that do to Captain America? What does it yeah. do? What does it do to everybody else when you've got Superman, you know, whatever, who can't be bitten? Right. Like, how do you feel about the fact that there are these three or four people who the zombies pose no threat to? Yeah. You know, like realistically, we'd like to say, no, it'd be cool. It'd be awesome. But we also know realistically there'd be some resentment. Yeah, right. (laughs) Why you? Why do you get this when my mother, girlfriend, husband, wife died, you know? Well, and And this this is a prime example. So Steve always recommends things to me. And for whatever reason, I'm always a little hesitant to dive right into the things, frankly, because there's so much media to consume in different ways now that I kind of go like, okay, all right, I don't need another thing. But the last thing that he threw at me was Resident Alien, the series on sci-fi. and Which is so good. (laughs) This this is my point. It's like now, for right now, Steve can do no wrong. So... (laughs) This this series from you is the next thing that I'm going to put up as far as whether or not this helps or hurts our friendship. So everything that you've described sounds amazing. It sounds like I love the boys, I love the Walking Dead, I love all I love the Marvel universe. All that so this is this sounds like it's right in my wheelhouse. But I got to tell you if if I don't enjoy it, you will have effectively put an end to this show cuz I won't be able to work with Steve anymore. And yeah. so I, I, I okay. and that's that's not that's not so don't lay that all on you know Peter's lap there. I I recommend a lot of it is Steve's fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean before that, before Resident Alien, I told him all about um, uh, Joe Para talks with you, and that's like one of my favorite shows. And it is, you either love it or you hate it. And Dave did not care for that. Yeah, but, at all. Uh, but we are now forever endeared. Um, yeah, yeah, but Tracy yeah. dug it so. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um, that's that. So you talked about the characters that um, you know, it, you're asking those questions about how these characters, uh, how people are going to feel about them, and really the emotional mix of you know all these people that are you know stuck in this movie studio. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the Threshold series and what a bastard you are for killing some of my favorite characters go easy on the spoilers mister i'm not i'm not gonna say i I won't i won't but you are heartless and (laughs) you and you and and you you need to you need to back up a touch but but in all honesty in a way i take that as a compliment because if i wasn't doing a good job you wouldn't care about the fact that that person had died this person had died the the fact I know this this makes me sound like a monster, but I love it when people say, Oh my god, I can't believe you killed this person, you killed that person, you killed um I, I've well, killed a lot of people in my box. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> but, I'm I'm just teasing you, really. I mean it's it makes it better. I, yeah, like, and I I don't know what the hell's gonna happen. like some books are so formulaic, you're like, All right, that guy's that guy's dead soon. Yeah, uh, well and, there but, yep, there's the bad guy. Like yeah, I, yeah. I have I have no idea what's yeah. going to happen to some of these characters and and like even the main characters I'm very concerned for so it's uh, it's really it's really interesting the gravitas that you bring to you know the situation the characters around the situation I mean really they're it's 
sculpted really lovingly. How do you arrive? Do you, where do you start? Do you start with um, the situation or do you start with the characters and, um, and putting them toward the situation? Or is that an unfair question? It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's unfair, but the problem is it's like, if you ask me about a specific book, I could say like with X heroes, I mostly arrived at it through the situation and then realized these characters I already had would work within the situation. Um, with a lot of the threshold books, a lot of it became about the characters very fast that, um, for example, uh, the fold, one of the books in the threshold series, I had been playing around with this idea of uh, super intelligence and memory for a while. And, and I love the way you handle that, by the way, I've never you. heard it handled like that in a book before I, 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 I put a pin in that. Cause I want to, I want to <laughs> know how you, how you arrived at it, but go ahead, keep continue. But, but that was it. It's the, the process for every book is different. I, I, and I don't think this is just a me thing. I think most writers would say the same thing that, you know, you outline to different degrees. Sometimes your outline is a page. Sometimes it's, 10 pages, sometimes it's 50 pages, you know, or sometimes it's a couple notes on an index card. Um, you know, you develop your characters to different amounts. You, some people start with this, some people start with this. I think all that really matters is what works for you on this project. I think, and write our wisdom. Uh, I think one of the things that holds people up a lot when they try to start writing is and, and I say this as someone who got held up on a lot of stuff. You start looking at what other people do that, you know, you'll find your favorite writer online or just the loudest writer online who's saying, this is what you must do, you know, and you try to do what they do or what they tell you to do. And sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, you mentioned all the, the stuff I sort of spew out online on my, my ranty writing blog is, I just call it the golden rule that what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. Um, so I think a, a huge part of becoming a writer is figuring out what works for you. You know, figuring out, do you like outlining? Do you like starting with characters? Right. Do you like this? And then also realizing every project is going to be different. That, you know, uh, okay, 14, that book, um, I think when I started writing that, I had like three pages of random scribbled notes, like in one, like a word document. And then I just started writing. Um, the, the book I talked about that's going around right now, the Joe Ledger meets Stranger Things. Um, same thing. There's like four or five rough pages of notes. The thing I'm working on right now is part of a six book series. And I think I have a 98 page outline for how all the books fit together, how each one works, how, you know, and. That's, that's crazy. That, I'm, I'm just shaking my head in disbelief because I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine figuring out how two books connect or two pamphlets, let alone. It's, but that's it. It's, it's, it just all comes down to what works for you. Right. And it's easy enough to sit here and say, oh, I don't know how I do this, but then you get the chance and you will figure it out and you'll figure out the, the trick is figuring out, how does it work best for you? Because I've at, you know, different times before I even had a career and even while I've had a career, I've said, okay, you know what? I really need to do this. 
I know this will help me move faster, more efficiently, whatever. And it doesn't, you know, because it just wasn't the, the process I needed for that particular project. Yeah. So. Well, right, so, so you a oh, coffee drinker, Peter, because uh, how do I keep you awake and riding? I am not, actually. I am that freak. I, I do not like coffee or tea. All right. So it's Red um, Bull. You're getting something. Pretty, I, I generally, I do like massive amounts of Pepsi Max. I oh, generally okay. go through like a two liter a day, just like, just for the caffeine. Just <laughs> cool. That's a, pounding I'm... mason jars of it. Well, <laughs> so Peter, you had mentioned that you've got a book that you're effectively shopping around right now. And you've, you've heard some things just even today based on this. We would love to have you back on when you can talk a little bit more about the new book. And I'd love to be back on. <laughs> we would, we'll, we'll bring you back on, chat through some of this, because I feel like this is one of those things, especially with, with all of us being so interested in the material. Tracy and I will now go off and devour said material. And by the time mm -hmm. you come back on next time, we will actually have a much better frame of reference. And uh, even just even what you and Steve have been saying about killing off main characters, that's, that's what I love about... TV today, long form television, is that none of the characters are precious anymore. It used to be a thing where MacGyver was going to be there at episode one and he was going to be there at episode 500. And there was, there was zero chance of that not happening. And even when they would do the big cliffhanger, MacGyver fell off a cliff and next episode he might be dead, you knew he wasn't dead. And I He's love, <laughs> I love, um, I think I, that that ended with Valerie Bertinelli getting kicked off of her <laughs> show and San, Sandy Duncan being brought in. And then, like the, everything changed, but I, but I, lo I love like I, I'm paraphrasing, but I, Stephen King once had this thing that he said where he was like, the thing that separates me from other authors is most authors will put Granny next to an, uh, an elevator shaft and not shove her down the shaft, and I won't blink and I will shove her without even thinking twice about it. <laughs> and I love that because I've that's, never heard that, but I love that. <laughs> that's what makes those books so yeah. exciting, and that's what makes this type of writing so exciting, and that's what hooks me in is knowing that. All of these characters are precious, and any of them can go at any time, and that's what I really enjoy about this. So I, I'm I'm not just saying this; I'm very excited to jump into your books now. I, I do think I'm gonna I'm gonna add one comment on the end of that. I think one of the tricks to it is I think there are some writers out there, and I'm 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 tempted to say bad writers, but that feels unfair. That feel because you kind of mentioned this, that like that characters could die at any time. I don't really think characters can die at any time. I think you still need some sort of structure to it. Um, that is again one of the form the things we were talking about that you've got to work through and figure out how it works for you, what works best for you. Um, even if it's not immediately apparent, like wow, why did so and so have to die? Right. You know, and then you can get to the end and look back. Oh, okay, it makes sense why Granny went down the elevator. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because honestly, the this this is probably heresy to somebody. In in any story you tell, you the author are God. You are the one. No matter how much people talk about, oh, the character spoke to me, and the characters wanted to do this. And the yep. were, no, it's all you. You are the one who decides what they want to do. You're the one who puts words in the mouse. You're the one who decides when the volcano erupts. And when that elevator door opens, all of that. Yep. Um, so if if I'm God and I'm just killing people randomly, 
I am a really crappy God. If, if I have no plan whatsoever that I can just go, Oh, look, pink. right. Sorry, granny. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I think that is the big thing. It's like we we're saying earlier, it's, it's making good characters, not being scared to kill them if the story calls for it. Cause I think that's, that's really the problem is when, you know, you should kill a character that somebody should be dead here and you don't want to do it just because you've grown so attached. Right. And, and I've yeah. had that, that there are characters where it's like, Oh, but do I really want to kill him? Yeah. I mean, he's so much fun. But yeah. that's what needs to happen here. You can like this domino, this domino, this domino. Yeah, down so. the elevator shaft they go. Yeah, it, it it all works out. I look, I know, but it's still it's still <laughs> and, fun. And, to... and we're collectively, I think we're four grandmothers, so it's not anything against <laughs> grandmothers. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I've always I have always maintained I'm pro sunflower and pro grandmother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, he really is. Yeah. That's those, those are his platforms. Well, Peter, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are we will do this again without a doubt because Steve is such a big fan. I think Tracy and I are about to become fans, and we will have you back on to talk about your next book that now all three of us will be excited about. If that if that works for you, absolute pleasure. Thank pleasure. you so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, one more round of applause, please, for Mr. Peter Kleins. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself getting a whiff of something unpleasant? That pungent odor that emanates from you? Well, friends, no longer do you have to suffer from mud butt. <laughs> The Bidet 3000. With his sophisticated wand and patented pistol grip joystick, the new Bidet 3000 stands alone as the most high-tech anal cleansing device on the market. No more swamp ass! With the Bidet 3000, you're able to really get in there. Clean those cracks and crevices as only the Bidet 3000 can. No more skid marks! Stop wasting money on toilet paper and old-fashioned bidets that only work to make a mess. It's time to step up to the future of clean. Adios, stinky fingers! The Bidet 3000, the high-pressure leader in clean. The Bidet 3000 may cause rectal bleeding and in some instances shaping. Please use caution when operating the Bidet 3000. This product is not safe for those with herpes. Civil disobedience is the peaceful and willful protest that results in actively breaking a law. Henry David Thoreau's 19th century essay on civil disobedience is thought to be where the name was popularized, thus giving a name to a concept that had long been in practice for many generations. The use of civil disobedience has among its most famous practitioners Susan B. Anthony, Mahatma Gandhi, and Martin Luther King Jr. Without the courage of those who practice civil disobedience, the world would not know the plight of issues ranging from human rights violations stretching from South Africa to China, or the prohibition against fireworks in unincorporated areas of Snohomish County. This has been Tracy's People Need to Realize That I'm a Hero Minute. He just compared himself to Gandhi, no. Susan B. Anthony, and Martin Luther King. No, ju just Susan B. Anthony. The, the, best, the best part is, to bring this all around full circle, if you think about what we talked about with Peter Kleins during that interview, 
that's Tracy's twist. That's his plot twist that happens in these minutes that I absolutely love. Because I I listened to 90% of that minute going, I have no idea where Tracy's going with this. And then right at the end, he kicks it sideways. You're like, oh, now it all makes sense. And uh, shoves grandma down the uh, elevator shaft. You should think about (laughs) writing a book, Tracy. I think I should. I have a book on uh, Amazon right now uh, from on the air to off the grid, which is uh, available right now. So my wife was, uh, she was out of town this week. She's back now. She took the kids and went over to her, her parents' house uh, on the other side of the mountains, a few hours away. So of course I did what, what I'm sure Steve would do in this situation as well, as I immediately went to the weed shop. Uh, I, I decided that I was going to enjoy myself while she was gone. And uh, I, I went to a weed shop I had never been to before. And let's be clear, I don't go to a lot of these. But I will say this, I've been to probably three or four they all look exactly on the inside like what you would expect. They look like if a stoner tried to build a a customer-facing storefront to sell their <laughs> weed products. They're all they all look like they were they were built in a in a haze uh, out of plywood, found wood that they found on the side of the road. So the the outsides are always the same. The outsides always have they you can tell they put a, a decent amount of money into some kind of branding. Got a pretty good sign outside. It's usually bright so that people can see that they sell weed at the place. And then when you go inside, it it's always the same. And I don't want to say the place that I went to this time, but it was it, just picture in your mind what you think it would look like if a stoner tried to build a legitimate business, and that's what it looked like. So you're saying they need uh, some varied interior design. Right. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, and also at the same time, like, I, my experience with any kind of cannabis is typically at a party or at a gathering at a friend's house, whatever it might be, where they're like, hey, you want to take a toke on this? Or, hey, you want to take a bite of this edible? Or, hey, like, I never know what it is. I just have friends that I trust. And if they, if one of them hands me something, I'll, I'll take it and know that I'm probably going to be mostly fine. Just relaxed. I Anytime I go into a, a a weed store like this, I have no idea what I'm. I have no idea what to ask for. I know there's different strains. I don't know what any of them do. I don't know how much I should take. So I'm asking all the like, the stupid questions that that I'm sure they get a million times over from jackasses like me. Like I'm sure they have their clientele that come in that know exactly what they want. They've done this their whole life. They know <laughs> they know weed inside out and and backwards. And then I come in and I'm like, what's something that that you sell that would put me in a good mood? Uh, make me relaxed and, you know, just kind of, just kind of chill out at night after I've wrapped up everything. And the guy literally pointed around and was like, that's this entire store, dude. I was like, okay. But I mean, aren't there different, like, aren't there ones that are going to make you, you know, a little more trippy than others? I just want something that gives me a nice, easy, chill buzz. And so he brought me over to this whole section. There's apparently a strain called Indica. I don't know anything about this stuff, people. All I know is that people hand me stuff at parties and I eat it. So if you're at a party with me and you want me to eat something, just hand it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suck it down. So I'll remember that. Yeah. So, yep. so, uh, so <laughs> I, so I, I, I did. I got these. I mean, they're basically like Starburst fruit chew type things. Uh, brought them home. They're fun. They're fine. I, I'm not. From the time I was probably 17 until now, in my 40s, I've tried it on several occasions. I've never had what I would call an amazing experience on weed. I, I, I like, yeah, it makes me feel a little floaty or whatever. But I've never done. I've never, including this this time, including any time, I never have anything that like draws me back where I'm like, oh my gosh, I that I felt so relaxed and so good. I need to do that again. 
it's just sort of like, okay, well, in another six months, I can try that again, I guess. I, well, it, you know, you, you probably just need to go right to the heroin. I have. I mean, that's, that's I, I made that natural jump as well, Steve. <laughs> I went right well, to the... So that, as I understand it, there's, there's like, um, there's... A, there's ratio of like THC to right, like sure. um, CBD. Yep. Like the CBD helps you with your um, with your pain, but the THC helps you forget the pain. That's so right. It's like That's a, exactly you know, right. That yeah. kind of thing. So it's kind of unfair for him to take what you said and 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 say, oh no, that's just pretty much everything in the store. Like they should be able to say, oh okay, well, you know what. And in, if you're in, feeling like that, yeah. In fairness, he was. Uh, it was. It was a joke. Like it was implied that it was a joke, and it was kind of a haha moment. Once I kind of laughed with him, then he went ahead and said, "Like, hey, let's try this over here," and took me to a section. Like, it, it was just. But man, I'll tell you, like, <laughs> everybody who worked in that store looked like again exactly what nice. I've seen in every weed store I've ever been to, and exactly what you would picture when you like. It. It was basically like eight Spicolis working. <laughs> At the weed shop. Yeah, I like, see that when I I've never been in one of these places, but I've thought about what I might say when I go in. And so the question I want to ask is, what will get me on the news tonight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, that I'm yeah. I'm pretty tame with the stuff. I don't ever do anything like crazy. I don't go into any. Uh, I know I've got a coworker who. Hit, uh, well, I don't even want to go into too many details, so I will say this coworker had relatives move from a different state to Washington where they didn't have legal weed before, and they're a little older. So they literally have been going to pot shops every weekend just experimenting, saying just this is what we had last time. It's almost like, you know, they're trying new restaurants, but they're trying new strains of weed. Trying new the, yeah. the new wines. And some of them have caused like them to to have some pretty decent I I don't know if hallucinations is the right term, but they they have definitely gone on some trips with some of the stuff that they have gotten. So I'm I'm mindful of that. I always say like how much? And if they say like, well, eat one of those fruit chews and that should do you, I eat a half just to make sure that like things are cool the first time through. Uh, but I don't, it is, it's, I don't know that I will ever adjust. It's sort of like being in my forties now and in this day and age, we don't need to do this anymore, but I guarantee you, if I went to buy a nudie magazine at like a mini Mart, I would be self-conscious. I would be sweating. I would be like nervous about it. Even though I'm well into my adulthood, I don't need to worry about it anymore. The same goes for the pot shop. Anytime I'm in one of those things, I'm kind of nervous. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm trying to act like I'm cool and like, hey, I should be here. You know, I've oh, done this before. Like this is really. And yeah. in reality, I'm I'm a wreck because I'm like, yeah, I'm, it's the same thing. I don't go in there because I'm afraid I'll run into my pastor. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, <laughs> there, there's different reasons. There is always just... that, too. There is always the because these places are always dark inside, too. And there is the going from the sunlight and walking through into the darkness as your eyes adjust and looking around to see who you recognize or who's going to recognize you as quickly as possible. So if you need to, you can turn and walk back out again. And see, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Dave, but I have the same kind of thing happening to me when I walk into Joanne fabrics. Yeah. I just, totally. it's, it's just <laughs> that way. You, it, you, there's a, there's a certain person that's working there they don't want to be there. They just want the company discount, yeah. you know, and 
and you don't want to be seen there and the and it's it's you know nobody knows anything yeah steve had this idea so whether you're uh ben franklin or uh what are the other ones give me the other ones again uh michaels michaels uh, joanne fabrics joanne fabric all no. these all these different crafty stores steve had an idea many years ago that was a brilliant idea these stores could triple if not quadruple their their profits overnight if they had a place for the husbands if they had a place and i don't even mean the husbands but <clears throat> whoever your your significant other is i don't i don't care male female whatever if there was a place for the people the person that doesn't want to be there. that did not want to be at joanne fabrics if there was a, a room that they could go into with you know different arcade cabinets or a pool table maybe some air hockey whatever it might be just lots of little things for them to do there could you could sell some beer there you don't need to do the hard alcohol but a little bit of beer yeah. Give them a place where they could go and just hang out while their significant other does all that craft shopping because <clears throat> my wife cannot go into one of those places with me because I'm such a baby about being there that I spoil the entire experience for her. So the only way that she can go is if she goes by herself. I would gladly go if there was some type of room that I could go into that had yeah, all sorts uh, of air hockey and tater tots. Right. And the, I fine shop as long as you want. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that sounds like a pretty good Saturday. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you what sure? Time do they you, open? you don't have <laughs> enough taffeta there. But you get more. I, I, I will get to you guys in just a second. I had one more question regarding my wife being out of town and a question for both of you. Do you do the thing that I do, which is my wife is a neat freak. She loves order in the house. She loves keeping things clean and organized. And I, I'm very fortunate in that sense in that she goes around, she Swiffer, she cleans all the counters. She's, she's sort of always in motion, always cleaning something, always organizing something. So the moment that, and, and this transfers into me, she works hard on the house. So if I leave my socks on the floor or leave a plate out on the counter or whatever it is, she says, can you just put that in the dishwasher? Or can you carry those socks to the, the dirty clothes? And I get it because she's the one who is in charge of making our house look as good as it looks so that when people come over, they say, what a nice house you have. If it was me, there would be, I, it would look like an episode of Hoarders. So the moment she leaves the house, I am like one of those inflatable life rafts where you pull the cord and it just sort of blah everywhere. I... I immediately start putting cans in random places. If I'm done with a dish, it just goes on the counter closest to me or on the table closest to me. By by halfway through day two, it does look like an episode of Hoarders. There is stuff everywhere because I'm just, I'm taking that breath of fresh air or maybe it's stinky air because I've got garbage everywhere. But I'm taking that breath where I get to like, I get to just put things where I want them and I don't have to worry. But then the panic always sets in, usually about two hours before she's home where I'm frantically running around the house at breakneck speed, trying to get everything cleaned back, uh, back up and back to where it was so that when she comes in, I, don't, I haven't left a sty. So I'm curious from both of you, do you do something similar? Or when your wives are out of town, are, do you, does the house stay the same? I think for me, the house is probably just in a little bit better shape than it is well and, and th that sounds like what it is my wife they she puts the kids to work and she leaves the house incredible shape so as to i don't have it really anything to think about but then in turn like because i recognize that i will go ahead and clean a couple of things that i know that like nobody wants to clean so when somebody leaves like 
it gets better for everybody. So there's, it was better for me and I leave it a little bit better. In fact, my wife was out of, and the kids were out of town. They were uh, camping in Idaho last weekend. And I decided everybody would have a better time if I didn't go. And so I didn't. And uh, so I stayed home and I cleaned uh, the gas range. The top of the gas range was just disgusting. And I went to work on it and it was great. And um, but most of the time, honestly, when they're gone, I try to be out of the house as much as possible. I try to whether it's just uh, on a bike, on a motorcycle or doing something. I don't want to be in the house when there's nobody there. Steve, how about you? So I, I, I'd like to say that I'm, that I'm helpful, but I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mess. And I, I typically frantically at the end, like, Oh God, I thought I, I thought I did a better job than this. You know, I thought I, but no, I, I go around and I clean and I, I work on, I work on that stuff. Now that's like simple day-to-day stuff. Now, when Wendy and Zach were in Kansas and I was in, um, our house in Kent, um, I had kind of a breakthrough where like, like the first couple of weeks I was kind of a mess. Like I just, I, I was all by myself. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, the, and this is, this is what happened. Uh, this is what, this is what bro- broke me. I'm, I'm standing in my kitchen in my underpants. Um, and Risky dinner, business, risky business style. Mm, nope. There's no, there's nothing on the stereo. Oh, it's, it's quite quiet in the house, but I'm in my kitchen underpants. It's a mess in the kitchen. I'm making dinner of two s'mores in the microwave. And as I, t- as I take them out, I'm like, this cannot be how it is. This is, this can't, this is not going, this is, she's going to be over there for a year. I can't do this. So, so you, you gave the s'more to the raccoon that was on the floor in your kitchen. Yeah. 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 I did. I gave the s'mores away. No, I totally ate those s'mores. Um, and they ended up like in my chest hair and stuff. Cause yeah. it's like, it's like it's dripped down. And, and then, like, oh, and then Chavo, Chavo, the raccoon came and chewed them out of Steve's chest hair. And yeah. Showered. Well, yes, he was there. I was there. Um, so I, I immediately started to, um, I, I kept it, I kept it clean and I, I, I really siloed what I was doing. Um, I had, I had a routine where I would only sleep in one area. I would wash the clothes that I had. I just get it done. I, um, I would have dinner with them on the iPad. Like we would do FaceTime and I'd have dinner with them at the table with this thing, you know, formalized. I, I could have just, you know, ate over the sink and, you know, made myself scarce a lot, but I, I, I really feel like I pulled it together, uh, during that time. And then, uh, then it's all since then kind of gone to shit. Well, but, th- uh, I mean, to the, to the point Tracy made about leaving the house better, uh, I, I've never left the house better. By the time my wife gets home, I have like a, I would say if it's 10% worse, I'm okay. I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get the 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 stink eye from her when she gets home because I've I've screwed the house up too much. So I basically just have to sustain a baseline and maybe let it dip just slightly, and I'm okay. Because Steve, as you know, there's very few people on earth that can out clean my wife. She is she is just one of those people that 
I mean, she she will clean the kitchen entirely top to bottom before she sits down to eat dinner. She wants the kitchen completely pristine again before she, because otherwise she can't she can't unhook her brain to be able to eat the food that she made. So it would be very difficult for me to get the house at the level it was when she left it, let alone better. But I I, I get that little bit of padding if if it's if it's in the ballpark, I'm I'm okay. So and this time she's back, it was in the ballpark. Yeah, I cleaned up. Uh, I cleaned all the felts underneath all the the kitchen table chairs. Right. I just, yeah. I clean, clean, Picked all the... Nobody nobody thought to do that for a long time. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Steve, what'd you do last week? Last week, I. Uh, God, why why is it when you ask me this question, it always everything I did just goes, whoop, just I, gone. I, this I I feel like this should not be a surprise. Sixty five episodes in, you might want to start jotting this stuff down. I do. Oh, okay. I, I, it's, I, I, I wrote it down. It's there's, there's some, there's some shit in the other room. Oh, wait, I remember I what I did at... this week. I made a list of things to talk about. Yeah. You, you, you wait here. I'll go in the other room. Right. No, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on at, um, at work. Um, you know, there was an acquisition, so there's a lot of moving pieces and there's, there's some uncertainty and things like that. We had a big, um, <laughs> so here's something we had our big, uh, kickoff. Um, where um, it was one big company purchased two small companies and I was in one of the small companies and we're all coming on board to become this one, you know, big unified group. And they had like the big team icebreaker thing, get to know you kind of thing. So we, we had breakout rooms where we had to do, we had to answer trivia questions and we had to um, meet the Bobs. No, no, but, like my, you know, my, my new skip manager was on our, on our team. And so it's like, okay, so we have to answer all these weird questions or do these, um, you know, strange things that, um, you know, nobody, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt, like a, you know, a zoom scavenger hunt who in the room can do this. And then, so I'm trying, I, I want to make points because I want to make make the boss look good. I've known you so, well enough. I've known you long enough to know you well enough to know this is this is Steve. It's time to turn it on. In your and, brain, you were like, "It's go time." And but at the same time, I'm like, "Okay, but you got to dial it back a little bit because you can't just go whole hog into some of these some of these things." Like the what one is like uh, one was, um, "Can you juggle?" Yeah, I can juggle. Nobody else could juggle, so I had to juggle. Um, and then it was. Um, uh, it was do an impression. Nobody else had any impressions. So I did a cartoon character and they, and then they, they all kind of stopped and they looked at me and they were like, that, that was, that was the, that was the cartoon character. And it was, you know, now you worry that your, that your, your stock is going down in the company because <laughs> of all these weird things that you happen to have <laughs> yeah. in your tool here's box. the here's the jackass that goofs off all the time i can pinpoint him a mile away like yeah oh when do you when did you learn to juggle right during last quarter's results <laughs> you know you know whatever it's it, that kind of thing but um it was it was interesting to do that and then have my skip manager um ask me at the end did you learn all that stuff in clown college um seriously yeah not not even like not even like as a joke <laughs> well but think of that just think of it this way steve think of all the money you saved on clown college tuition 
because you're able to do all that stuff anyway and fool people into thinking you went to a prestigious clown college and in reality you did not and all you had to pay was confetti that's right (laughs) yeah it's my own confetti cost i made my own confetti at home using the uh using the reports i was supposed to file uh last quarter so, so give me give me an overall because obviously we're we're running long tonight with the interview, but give me an overall grade of how you think you did in those events. Oh, I as far I as setting great. an imp- impression for the new people, uh, do you feel like you came out on top? B plus, okay. yeah, I yeah, yeah, I'd say I'd say B plus. Um, when there's a point of diminishing returns when you do that one, that's like, oh. You know, but I, I, I needed to whistle something. Nobody else could whistle or could make it happen. And I, that's another stupid thing I can do. Are you working, are your coworkers coma patients? Why can they not do anything at all? Like what were they, did any, was anybody <laughs> do anything other than drool? They, they had uh, discretion, Dave. Right. <laughs> that's what it was. Everybody else didn't <laughs> want to do the stupid shit. So right. I, I just jumped right in, but those were the high point ones. Right. So yeah. 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 Did we win? No, but, uh, but we, uh, we, but we had a good showing, but you did. And Tracy, yeah, how about did. you? Did you juggle it all last week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I juggle every week. Uh, but uh, mostly, uh, the, the highlight of my week was also simultaneously the low light was that uh, uh, every uh, year, every summer, my company has like hires a Ben and Jerry's truck to go into the parking lot and everybody just eats ice cream for an hour. And so I always think it's a great idea. I apparently 365 days is all it takes for me to forget how awful ice cream makes me feel. Because <laughs> uh, I, I go ahead and I'm like, oh, and there's in particular, I don't, I mean, it, it tastes fine, but I felt gross um, afterwards, just absolutely ashamed. Uh, so I went into the building because uh, I mean, we're all in the parking lot. Everybody's still remote. I went into the building, washed my hands, got on my motorcycle and left. But uh, it was it was wonderful to see um, people I haven't seen in a long time, but uh, under the circumstances, it uh, wasn't great. Yeah, I I don't I don't know about you, Tracy, but um, where I work, people make a good living. Like by and large, they 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 get paid well, and yet if there if anybody catches wind or an email goes around that there's going to be free ballpoint pens given out at lunch in the common space, there will be a line 200 people deep that will wait. Yeah. If you see the email, it's too late. That's usually what, yeah. And it's always the same thing of like, you can pick up a nice little carton of whatever flavor of Ben and Jerry's you want at a supermarket for eight bucks and not have to deal with any of that. And yet you're going to stand in line for 30 minutes to get your free Ben and Jerry's just just go get it from the supermarket i've never understood i've never understood the uh, it is it's i know i know it sounds arrogant to say but my time is worth more than that i'm not i don't have the time to stand in a line for a free pen or free ice cream or whatever it might be I some got of those free. pens have built-in styluses <laughs> though I mean, right. that's it that is a fair point uh yeah. it was uh, with the the interesting thing about that was that um i was you know i was really enjoying the company and ice cream was simply just the mechanism by which we were going to 
have conversation with some people that I haven't really spoken to or seen in a year and new employees that I've worked with remotely that I've never met in person before. So, uh, you know, and you know how I am with first impressions. It's always something that I hold in the highest regard. Uh, people will always for years have great stories about the first time they met me. Yeah. He just walked right up and he was juggling like immediately. Exactly. Right. So this is something that's important to me. And I wanted to make sure that, uh, I had some control over that situation, but, uh, and I just ended up with sticky hands. Yeah. My, my boss had a little get together, uh, at his place over the weekend. Same thing just for our team, a team of, you know, eight to 10 ish people, but they could invite somebody else, and and my wife and kids were out of town. Otherwise, I would have brought them. But one of the things that struck me when I was there, that it's just one of those things you sort of take for granted, is I hadn't seen a baby in years. I mean, in literally in years, like a, an actual physical baby in front of me. And two of my team members have babies. One has a four-month-old, and one has a six-month-old. What, are, Steve, what's going on here? What is happening? I just... <laughs> You got so I, angry about my baby talk. What happened? Yeah, man, I'm just like, it totally occurred to me what I did last week. <laughs> oh, you you made a baby? And it, and it was just so damn frustrating. You, you, you made a baby and yeah. it was frustrating. It just wasn't working no, out so the way you So we'll want. jump back to you, Steve. But I just wanted to say, like, I truly, like, I couldn't believe. I was so excited just to see a baby in the flesh. Like, hey, look at him. He's cooing. And, oh, look at that. And, like... Just because it was babies, and I realized I hadn't seen babies in forever, and babies make anybody smile. It's like seeing a puppy or anything else. Like, babies are awesome. And so that was one of those. But, Steve, by all means, you flung your hat across the room in complete disgust. Do tell. What did you do last week? Played my first gig since the pandemic, and I totally forgot it. So you were worried about your stamina with the gig. Yeah. So tell us what was, I mean, how did it go? Stamina was fine. Actually, my stamina was great. Um, I really thought I was going to be tired and I was not. Um, I could have gone another set. Um, it, what, what was challenging was the fact when I went to get all my stuff to go and play, I had moved all my stuff to different places. Like there's some in like a storage unit. There's some down in you know, Renton there's now for first uh, time listeners, Steve is a drummer. So when he says he's got all these things in different areas, these are all pieces to his, his drum kit. Right. Right. So I have drums, different places. I couldn't find my snare drums. Not really sure where they are. Um, I have quite a few of them and I don't, and I don't really know where they are. I'm no no expert on drums, but generally that's an important part of it is. Um, now here's, here's the thing that saved me is because I know that down the road, this is going to happen to me. So I need to have a backup somewhere. And I, I, so I used my backup, this, my backup, that, and my backup, this, that I pack just on a whim because I'm afraid that someday I'm going to need it. Well, that was the night I I needed most of the stuff that night. Um, so that was the only like frustrating part was not having all the gear that I usually use or, or need to use, but I, I had plenty to make the show work. Um, playing wise went great. Um, uh, I, I had a couple of, uh, I had a couple of odd moments, but then I had a couple of moments where like pure adrenaline, I 
pulled some stuff off that I did not think I could do and felt good about it. And I sang a lot harder than I thought I would be able to do. And, and that was, that was good. It felt really nice. Felt really good to play. Did you what, turn out good? It was packed to the gills. I mean, it was, it was very, very busy. Um, we had a lot of people dancing. The bar was, you know, shoulder to shoulder. It was, it, it was a very, very busy night. Honestly, we could have, we could have shown up with, you know, four clarinets and they would have been super hungry for it because it was yeah. just people were just excited to be out. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it like even my, my kids and I, as you guys know, every Wednesday night we watch pro wrestling. It's we watch this organization called AEW. And for the last 18 months to two years, they have been filming at the same location. They film at Daly's Place, which is a, a stadium in uh, Florida, and they film to 20 people. There's there's 20 wrestlers that sort of stand in the crowd and sort of make some noise so that it's not dead silent in there. But for the most part, they they're in an empty stadium and they've finally gone back on the road. And this last Wednesday, they played at a sold out stadium. And it was just amazing to hear crowds pop and cheering and the excitement and all the stuff that went along with it. It's just great to see people back being people again, or at least in, in some degree. So I, it, was, it was one of those things, even my son said, like, it's so different. It's so much more exciting to see people having a good time with this. And it's the same thing. Right. Like, Steve, you could have easily played with your band multiple times over the pandemic, but to play in an empty room with your bandmates is totally different than playing in front of a crowd. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, uh, I got nothing else to add and we had a great interview with Mr. Peter Kleins tonight. So Steve, thanks for that one. Uh, thanks for turning us on to him. And now I've got some books to read. Uh, and you, I just want to, cause you mentioned it in the interview. You actually, Put a pretty big endorsement in for the person who does the audio versions of these books as well. Ray Porter, right, is the voice. And actually, if you watched the uh, the new Justice League Snyder cut on HBO, he Ray Porter is actually the voice of Darkseid, which is kind of a big deal. Um, the the big bad guy. He's the Thanos of. Um, I I haven't I haven't watched it. Is it like man DC? It's just so hard for me. Is it worth watching that movie? Um, it's better than the than the movie they put out. It's Which definitely is insane better. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but All it right. but it it definitely has better continuity and you know some more exciting moments to it. Um, All right. Well, so either way, whether you read his books or you listen to his books, go out and check out Peter Klein's books. Steve, do you, and maybe this is something we should ask him. Last question for you: Do you have a book that people should start with? Okay, so if you're into if you're into superheroes or zombies. Start with um, X Heroes. Um, that's the first of the X Heroes um, uh, series, which is which is pretty good. Um, it's it's really, I, I really enjoy it. Um, if you are just more into sci-fi horror, um, start with Fourteen, just Fourteen by Peter Kleins, and just let it take you where it goes. All right. Where this is going to take us is out the door because we're going to get the hell out of here. Tracy, anything else from you? Going to be uh, rereading To Kill a Mockingbird. Boom. This week, so, so. Steve, anything else from you? I'm good. All right. For Tracy, for Steve, for me, Dave, we'll talk to you next time right here on The Dave and Steve Show. <laughs>